Good evening. It is good to be together this evening. What a wonderful period of worship already. If you be open your Bibles to John the 15th chapter, we'll be beginning there in just a few minutes. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It really does encourage us that you're here. It's great to have our young people back. We missed you this morning. Uh, we're thankful that you had a wonderful retreat. And we're thankful to hear the good news of the four baptisms. Appreciate Philip and Jody and all that work in uh, planning and, and leading our youth this uh, weekend. We appreciate our youth and the great encouragement and the great good that they are the life of our congregation. We do want to remind everybody that, that in two weeks will be our family day on April 26th. And uh, so mark that and also be thinking about who do you want to invite and this would be a good time to start inviting them. We look forward to, to meeting times being the same throughout the day but we will have a meal together under the tent, uh, a lunch together and be planning on that. It'll be a catered meal and then we'll come back together again under the tent uh, for evening uh, worship under the tent and that's always a, a great big treat and so uh, be planning on that and looking forward to that and be inviting others to be a part of that. Do keep in mind, it's already been mentioned but just remember the house to house will be uh, divided up and stuffed and sent to uh, the post office and tonight will be the time they'll be counted out and so many hands make light work and if you can pass through the fellowship hall afterwards uh, after service tonight and, and help with that it only take a few minutes if a lot of people do it and we want to encourage you to do that. We want to encourage you set your alarm for 429 and be praying for those that are persecuted around the world for living the Christian life. We want to encourage you to pray Acts 4 and 29 for them. Pray that, that uh, they'll be bold in speech no matter what's happening. But we also want you to pray that for yourself. Uh, we're asking all of us as a church family to pray for boldness that we will be who God wants us to be right now in our life and in the community. The house we live in, the place we work, the school we go to. Let's pray this for ourselves. And also uh, we mentioned this morning, Centeno Har asked us especially, you know, we mentioned three countries last week that are, are receiving persecution. One of them was Kenya, and that's where his wife and children live. And so he asked us to also include them in our prayers. And so let's as a church family uh, be very fervent in our prayers of the, and about these things and the very opportunity God gives us to pray is such a wonderful, wonderful blessing. We are looking today at bearing fruit. We're looking at bearing fruit out of John the 15th chapter of what the Lord teaches us on this beautiful topic. Uh, we showed several pictures, and by way of review, we'll do this quickly so that we'll all begin on the same page this evening. But when you see that picture, you can see uh, that there is a vine, a grapevine, but I'd like for you to look at the bottom in the center and the bottom of that picture. You actually see the vine itself. And then obviously up front and center, you see the fruit. Now, behind the leaves, you know that there will be branches that are attached to that vine. So in other words, think with me. We have a vine, we have branches that are connected. The branches are abiding in that vine. And as long as they abide in that vine, they can bear fruit. If the branch separates from the vine, they cannot bear fruit. We understand that concept pretty simple isn't it? And so he takes that and he teaches from a very simple agricultural lesson. He teaches a very powerful spiritual lesson. Let's begin reading this by way of review. John 15 verse 1 and 2. Jesus said, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now from this we quickly identify 
three that he identifies. When we want to know who is this vine over here, that's Jesus. Who are the branches that are to be in or connected or abiding in that vine? That is the believers in Jesus. And what will believers that are connected to the vine do? He says they will bear fruit. Now, I'd like for you to notice that immediately he plunges into the topic of bearing fruit. Let's look again at this very same verse that we just read, but I want you to notice it again in verse 2. John 15 and verse 2. Notice how three times in verse 2 we see the word fruit. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So immediately we see the identification. Who's the vine? Who's the branches? But then we say, Lord, what do you want us to learn from this? And it's almost as if the Lord says, I want us to concentrate for a few minutes on fruit. Now he's only going to do that for a few verses because at the end of this lesson tonight we're going to see that what he really wants us to concentrate on is where we abide. But for right now, let's look at this. He says, all right, I want you to concentrate on bearing fruit. Well, what if a branch doesn't bear fruit at all? Now, we didn't mention this this morning, but notice that one, the pruners, the pruning shears connect with that branch and cut it off completely. We'll look at that uh, toward the close this evening. But then what about the ones that bear fruit? You say, oh, if they're bearing fruit, he just says, uh, great job, I'm proud of you, that a boy. No, he says, if you bear fruit, I'm still going to get my pruning shears out and I'm going to cut away at you because it is in you allowing me to shape you and mold you that you can really bear the greatest fruit out in the future than even what you are today. And so I want to, I want to help you. This is the vine dresser. This is God. I want to help you bear that fruit. How's he going to do it? By preparing us. And so we talked about this morning. There's always two questions that come up, and that is, what is pruning? What is spiritual pruning? How is it that the Lord cuts away at us? And that's what we're looking at tonight, and then we'll finish with just a few thoughts about abiding. And then, Lord willing, next week we'll spend some time looking and saying, what is the spiritual fruit that God does want us to produce in our life? But for right now, again, let's quickly review with these pictures because this is the easiest and quickest way to review what is pruning. When you look at this picture right here, it's very obvious that that is a grapevine that many of you would probably say it's overgrown. In other words, studying it from the context here tonight, that is a grapevine that has not been pruned. Let that sink in. In other words, the way pruning takes place is it actually cuts out things. The word pruning means to purge, to cut away, or to cleanse. There are things that need to be taken out, and there's also limbs that are left that need to be trained. Where's this limb going to grow? Are we going to train it to grow toward the sunlight, or are we going to train it to grow into the ground where it would maybe rot or mold and etc. And, and so when we look at this next picture, we see that, okay, that vine, it could still grow leaves, but the problem is because it's overgrown, if it did bear fruit, and that's an if, if it did bear fruit, it would be what we usually consider wild grapes. They haven't been tended to, and they're very, very small. Now, we look at this next picture, and we see a vine dresser. 
And I know we might not call him that today, but we're using the word that's used in the Bible there. It's a vine dresser. And so that's an individual that's going to go in and literally prune the vine. And, and you see there's a big difference in the way that vine looks. And on this next picture, we see that it's a real big difference in the way those, that vineyard looks and the bush that was overgrown or the vine that was overgrown, the vine that had not been pruned. Here's one that's been pruned. You can imagine how much greater the fruit would be on these that have been shaped by the vine dresser versus those that have never been. Ultimately, today, in most of the things that we're studying, this is really the takeaway. And, you know, we've emphasized the fact this is not the type of lesson that you, you study it and think, I want to apply this to my neighbor. That won't work in this lesson. This is one of those lessons you need to apply to yourself, and I need to apply to myself. And so right now, I, I, hopefully you've been thinking about it since this morning, and hopefully we're going to think about it this week, and we're going to be studying and meditating and praying on this. But which one do you look like spiritually? Does your life reflect the, the fact that the Lord is continually pruning you and shaping you? Or do you just kind of look like this growth that you're going to do it your way? And, and yeah, I like to look religious and I like to look like I'm connected to the vine and I like to look like I'm right there in the middle of all this vineyard business. But the reality is when it's all said and done, I'm going to do it my way. Now, I'll do a lot of things God's way, but if it comes down to some things, it's going to be my way instead of God's way. As we study this, I'd like for you to look with me uh, again by... If, if you've got your Bible open, glance there at verse 3. You remember we talked about in verse 3, the word cleanse there, cleansing by the word, is the same word. It's just a little bit different form from the word prune back in verse 2. And then we look this morning at two ways that we know that God prunes us. Now, I, I emphasize to you this morning, I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that the four passages of scriptures we're looking at today are comprehensive. If you know these four, you know all the ways that God prunes us. Absolutely not. I, there's nobody on earth that knows all the ways that God prunes us. But there are several things that he tells us in scriptures, the way he shapes us and he molds us, and we want to look at four of those. This morning we looked at Hebrews the fourth chapter in verse 12 where he called the word of God a two-edged sword. In other words, it's an instrument that will cut away. And we talked about the fact that if we really, really study the word of God, what it's going to do is it's going to prune or shape our life because we're going to learn some things that God says, I want you to cut that out of your life. And we're going to learn some things that God says, I want you to clean that up and I want you to put it in your life. And if we truly are living for the Lord now, we can look back at a time in our life where we didn't live for the Lord and we can say, now back there, there were things that I did that I wouldn't do those things now. Why? Because the Word of God has cut away those things out of my life. That was the first one we looked at this morning. The second one that we looked at this morning was still there in Hebrews, and it's the 12th chapter in verse 11. And it's where God promises, because He loves us, and because we are His, He will discipline us. He will punish us. He will chasten us. And with, with that in mind is the idea of what will we do, because he makes it very clear, at the moment that I do this, it's going to be painful. At the moment I do this, it's not going to be joyful. And he says, but I'm doing this so that you will bear fruit or yield fruit of righteousness. In other words, I want your life to count for things that are righteous, things that are good. And so he is willing 
to allow us to suffer punishment in order that we can have this fruit of righteousness in our life. So that's the review. Let's pick up now, if you'll turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and verse 13. Let's look at two more as we move on in this lesson. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you... Now think about it. We're talking about God pruning our life. So here he's telling us directly, here's some things that God is going to do and come in in our life if we're willing to walk step in step with God. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't it interesting how many times we find things that the Lord does for us in this pruning process that's really positive? You know, we talked about the fact that the pruning process isn't just cutting away. Sometimes it's lifting limbs up out of the dirt and out of the mud and, and cleaning those off. This is kind of one of those times. It's one of those times where God says, listen, I'm the vine dresser and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Because you're mine... You have an enemy that would love to destroy you, but because you're mine, I'm not going to let him destroy you. You have an enemy that would like to put upon you more temptation than what you would be able to overcome. You have an enemy that would like to shut the doors of escape. Can you go that way? No, Satan shut it off. Can you go that way? No, shut it off. But think about the, the dialogue between Job and God. Who was in control there? Let's back up and let me say that again. In the story of Job, think of the dialogue between Satan and God. Who was in control there? We have Satan that would have went in and destroyed Job. But it was God putting the parameters. It was God saying, at this time, you can't touch him at all. Then later it was God saying, okay, you can touch him, but you can't take his life. Brethren, again, I want to emphasize here, I'm not claiming to you that I know all of the ways God works. If he hasn't revealed it, I don't know it. But I know what he has revealed. He has showed us the story of Job. And then he gives us teaching like this where he says, listen, I will not allow him to put more upon you than what you can stand. Isn't that a beautiful picture of pruning where God says, I am going to protect you. You walk with me. In other words, you be a branch that stays connected to the vine and I won't let Satan destroy you. How much can you bear? You know, I think back when growing up on a farm, as you can imagine, it was kind of a big deal of how far you could throw a hay bale or how much you could carry. And I was doing some landscaping, and in college, just by coincidence, I roomed with a young guy that was a landscaper from Michigan. So you can imagine all the northern and southern, the Yankee jokes that went back and forth about who was the best landscaper and who was the toughest and all this. And so one weekend, we had a pretty big job. And I was like, hey, Perry, you want to go to Nashville and, and make some money this weekend? We need some help. We got a big job. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you southern boys. And, and so... I wish I had time to tell you the long story because it's a crazy story. It's a story that people make funny decisions whenever they're wealthy and anyway. And so what, what ended up happening was, was this wealthy family decided they wanted a raised bed in their backyard. And, and we went early that morning and we were almost done with it by uh, 3 o'clock. 
in the afternoon. Spent all day from early in the morning. And we were done with it at 3 o'clock. And the wife come in and said, oh, honey, that's not where I wanted it. I wanted it over there. And, and, the, and the guy looked around at me and he said, men, can you just get rid of that bed and have sod laid there before the sun sets this evening and let's pretend there's never been anything done in this yard. I called a nursery real quick. I asked them if they had some sod. They said yes. And we literally had to dismantle all those cross ties and haul everything back out. And about 8 o'clock that night, we pulled out of their driveway and it looked like nothing had happened. It's just the same backyard we entered. But after working about 12 or 14 hours, we were down to the last cross tie. And he just piped up. You can imagine boys about 19 years old. And he piped up and he said, if a southern boy could carry that to the truck by himself, I'll never say anything else in my life about Yankees being better. Now, I grew up around a sawmill. And I had a pretty good feeling of what I could carry. And I said, are you serious? Not another word. He said, yeah. I said, all right, here goes this cross tie to that truck. Now, for any of you that wonder, it wasn't a green cross tie, but uh, it's, it's pretty good cross tie. Anyway, it made it to the truck. Now, it was a heavy load, probably one of the heaviest loads I ever carried a distance because we were walking all the way across the yard back to the front street. Could I have carried two cross ties? No. How many cross ties would Satan put on you this week if God let him? You realize what we're talking about is real. If God let Satan, he would destroy you this week with cross ties. And it's God that says, Satan, I'm not going to let you do it. They, they can't handle more than that, and you're going to stop right there. And by the way, you're trapping them in. And I'm going to make a way of escape for them so that if they choose to stay connected to the vine, they are going to have a way to escape out of this. Sometime, we probably feel like we're carrying our maximum. And maybe we are. But we can rest in faith on this. Nobody here is carrying more than you can bear. And second, God is always making sure it's a way of escape. How do you know that? If you are a branch connected to the vine, that's the promise that the vine dresser makes to all of those branches. Let's see another one. Look over with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. This is an amazing, an amazing story. And the first part that I just want to briefly tell you, it's where Paul speaks. And at first, you don't know if he's talking about somebody else or himself. But when we read deeper into it, it becomes very clear he's talking about himself. And we don't know if he saw it actually being taken up there or if he was taken up there in a vision. But no matter what, he saw it. And what he saw was paradise. He saw the third heavens. And, and he saw things that a human being is not allowed to come back and speak about on this earth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of Paul, sometimes I have to remind myself he was human. Paul almost seems supernatural. Paul almost seems perfect. Paul almost seems like this guy that you say, oh, he would never struggle with pride. But you know what? In this story right here, we learn that God looks down upon him and says, I tell you what, 
I'm going to intentionally allow you to continue to suffer because you have seen things that would raise your arrogance, raise your pride above measure, and then what he implies is you'd lose your soul. And what was he praying about? You probably know this, but there was something that was a hindrance the way Paul viewed it in his life. The scriptures calls it a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. Was he having eye trouble? Did he have malaria? The on and on scholars guess. What, what is it that he had? We don't know what he had. We just know that it was so difficult to deal with. Three times his prayer was, Lord, just take it away. I had a time in my life where I didn't have to deal with this. I want to go back to that time. Take this pain away. Let's read this together. We're in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure. That's not a good thing. He's exalting himself is, is the potential here. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Notice he didn't say, okay, I'll remove it. Instead, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What kind of pruning is taking place here? Here's a man who has a great pain in his life, a man that has devoted his life to God, just like some in this room that have just wholly for years and years devoted their life to God. And how easy would it be to think, God, I'm your faithful servant. Please just remove this. Now notice it was Satan that was the messenger that brings that pain. It's God who had the power to remove that pain. And God's answer was, you know what? Because I don't want you to become arrogant, I realize this pain is actually going to become a humiliating factor in your life. I would rather you be humble, faithful, and in pain than to have no pain and be arrogant and lose your way of faith. You say, well, that sounds cruel. No, notice this answer. So he says, I'm going to take, this is God speaking. He says, I'm going to take my strength and I'm going to couple it. We're going to form a partnership. I'm going to take my strength and couple with your weakness and we're going to have perfection. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's some pruning. God, that doesn't really feel so well at the moment. And God would answer, my greatest concern is not what happens to your body. My greatest concern is what happens to your soul. Do you remember in Matthew, the 10th chapter? Let me just read it quickly. Matthew, the 10th chapter, and verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Do you see what the Lord is doing here? The Lord is saying, Saul, I want to help you out. You think that the help is remove the thorn. I'm looking toward eternity. 
And what I see is actually the thorn can be a benefit for your soul. And so what I'm going to do is come in and give you strength so that your faith is greater than the trial you face. Please let that sink in. What if that becomes our prayer? God, I know that you are not going to remove all pain from this earth. I know you're not going to remove losses and death and, and temptations and challenges from this earth. But God, my prayer is that my faith, because you strengthening us, you walking with us, that our faith will always be greater than the trial or the loss or the pain or the temptation that we face. In the times of great pain, can we honestly say His grace is sufficient? I know that's not easy. But brethren, that's the kind of faith we need to have. That's the kind of faith we need to grow. The Lord's not giving up on us. He is still working on us. And so on this next slide, we have just a quick review. And I think one of them's out of order, but that doesn't matter. But just notice what we've gone over today. How will God prune us? One way he's going to prune us is by training us with the Word of God. Which direction should we grow? What should we take out? You know, we oftentimes pray, Lord, guard, guide, and direct us. How do you think he's going to do that? Through pruning. The second thing is Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we studied that God is willing to punish us because he loves us, because every father that loves his child punishes them because he wants not what is pleasant at the moment, but what is good fruit for the long run. And that's why the Lord punishes us. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 7, uh, we just studied that we need to be willing to suffer pain and to keep faith. In other words, instead of saying, God, if you love me, why am I hurting? How about instead say, Lord, in the midst of my pain, I pray that my faith is greater than this pain. I don't doubt you. We love sometimes to say, and I'm right there with you. It's one of my favorite couple of verses in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all of your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Do you realize that sounds real pretty until we put it into action? What about when the pain seems so hard and we don't understand where it's coming from or why it's there? Are we willing then to still say, Lord, I trust in you. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. Lord, I trust you. And then finally, look there where he, uh, we, we studied in 1 Corinthians 10 where the Lord wants to protect us. The Lord knows our enemy better than we know him. And he's going to limit the great accuser of what he can do for us. So why do we need to be pruned in the first place? If you have your Bible, look back again to John 15 and verse 2. I want to show you a couple of things as, as we close here. This, this is not the close, but we're getting close to it. But please notice this. John 15 and verse 2, why do we want to be pruned? We looked at this earlier, but I want us to have this on our mind as we move toward a close. He says he prunes the ones that bear fruit at the end of verse 2. Why? That it may bear more fruit. That's what it boils down to. Do we want to stay alive and healthy? Sure we do. Talking about spiritually. Do we want to stay alive and healthy spiritually? Yes. Well, God says, you're going to have to allow me to continually prune you. And then you can continually bear more fruit. So who bears this fruit? Look with me, if you will, to John, the 15th chapter, and verse 4. And I want you to notice the word abide. And we're not going to look at all of these, but, but listen to this for a minute. Twelve times in 16 verses, we find the word abide. 
In other words, he starts out by saying, I want to tell you who God is. He's a vine dresser. I want to tell you who Jesus is. He's the vine. I want to tell you who you are. You need to be a branch attached to the vine. And I want to tell you what branches do. They're attached to the vine. They bear fruit. And then from there, the emphasis over and over and over is, now are you going to abide in the vine? Are you going to stay connected to the vine? That's what the emphasis is over and over. Notice here, John 15 verse 4. Jesus says, abide in me. Let's pause here for a moment. You know what the word abide means, don't you? It doesn't just mean that the idea of this is where I dwell. This is where I am. But also the word abide means this is where I linger. This is where I stay. The word abide has the, within it endurance. In other words, you know, someone said, hey, hey Dave, wh where do you abide? And I said, Opperland Hotel. And they say, you, you dwell at the Opperland Hotel? Well, no, I've, I've spent a few nights there in my life. But no, no, where do you abide? We would be thinking, what is your permanent residence? Well, where do you abide? Do you abide in Christ? Notice this, John 15 and 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, do you believe that? Do you believe that you can't bear the fruit that you need to bear if you separate yourself from Christ? Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now who bears much fruit? The one that abides in him. You see, my concern is that we oftentimes concentrate on bearing the fruit when Jesus concentrates on abiding in him. Let, let's get this. You, you see that. Look at this again and let's study this. Look again at verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You take a healthy vine. Jesus is the healthiest vine there is. You take a healthy vine and you place it in the right soil, you place it in the right climate, and you put a branch on it that's going to be properly pruned, and what's going to happen? It's going to bear fruit. You, you don't have to go out there and say, please try. I, I want you to really try by this fall to have some grapes. Please, please bear grapes. You don't have to worry about that. Any of you that have an apple tree in the backyard or a plum tree, you don't have to walk out this time of year and say, apple tree, please, please work on trying to produce some apples. We want apples. Please try. Plum tree, please try to bring out some plums. No, you know, you, you just have the tree in the soil and in the right climate. And you know what happens every time? It brings forth fruit. Take a branch and just separate it a few inches from the vine. Just a few inches. Just have it real close. How many grapes is it going to produce this year? Now say to that branch, just try harder. Try harder to produce. I don't think you're really trying to produce. Do you realize how silly it is to say to someone, what I want you to focus on is the fruit. Don't worry about whether or not you are abiding in Christ. 
If you're a senior in high school and you abide in Christ, we don't have to be concerned about where you go to college and whether or not you're going to be faithful when you get there. Because that fruit will naturally come to anyone that's abiding in Christ because Christ lives on college campuses just like he lives in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. We don't have to encourage everybody here. We want you tomorrow to go to work and we want you to represent the Lord. We want you to be a good example of Christianity. We don't have to worry about saying, please bear that fruit. Okay, everybody, let's get fired up. Let's get fired up and focus on going to work tomorrow and, and living Christ. We don't have to worry about bearing that fruit. Everybody leave here abiding in Christ. And you go to your workplace tomorrow and you abide in Christ. And you, you know what's going to naturally happen? You're going to bear fruit for the Lord. I'm not saying that there's not a time to dream and there's not a time to, to say, hey, what great ministries do we need to be involved in? But brethren, Satan has a scam going on that says, I want to convince you to just pick out a few things that you think looks like the Christian life and you just work really hard to do those things so you can feel like a Christian. Know what we need to be focusing on? Am I abiding in Christ? If I'm abiding in Christ, everything else naturally is produced. It doesn't matter if I'm on vacation or home. It doesn't matter if I'm at work or at play. It doesn't matter if I'm at school. It doesn't matter if I'm doing my hobby. If, if I am abiding in Christ, the fruit of righteousness is always produced. But quickly, let's notice John 15 and 6. Not everybody abides there. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. Remember, we studied earlier in verse 2. We didn't talk about it, but in verse 2, there were some branches he just cut off completely. The reason he cuts them off completely is they're not really with him completely. And so he cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them, and they throw them a fire, and they are burned. Oftentimes when we have views of, of Judgment Day, we see goats and we see sheep. We see those on the left, we see those on the right. Here he says, let me talk about branches that, and see this is where you apply to you. You don't apply this to your neighbor. It may be that somebody here tonight looks like you're a branch. And it may be to all of us, it looks like you're connected to Christ. But the reality is you know that you're just playing along. You know you've joined up with a ministry because you want to feel fruitful. You know you just enjoy being around people that are connected to Christ, and so you just jump in the middle so you can kind of feel like you are. But you also know the reality is you're not abiding in Christ. You're just one of those branches that looks like it. What's the end of those branches? He says the end of those branches are those are separated. Those are put on the left side, and they're cast into fire. What I learned today, number one, I've learned that it's not enough just to be close. God wants us completely connected to Christ. That word abide was used over and over. Are you listening? It's not enough to say, I tell you what, I'm really close to that church family at Mount Juliet. It's not enough to say, I'm really closely involved in a lot of ministries at Mount Juliet. It's not enough to say, you know, I used to be way away from God. I tell you, I'm a lot closer than what I used to be. Close isn't enough. 
We're either in Christ or we're not. We've either totally surrendered our life to Him and we're abiding in Him or we're not. Number two, what I learned, it's not really about trying, it's about abiding. This study on bearing fruit this week and next week, it's not about you and I focusing, I want to bear fruit, I want to bear fruit. It's focusing on saying, let's abide in Christ so the fruit of righteousness just stems out of our life. Number three, I learned that it's not, if I'm not going to abide, it's about burning. And number four, and this comes out of verse five, this is a quote out of verse five, without Jesus, you can do nothing. That's a pretty sobering statement. How much can you do without Jesus? Nothing. Nothing that really matters. Nothing that is eternal. Nothing that will give us life beyond this life. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus is available? Because with Him, we can take part in everything that matters. Can we help you tonight? Are you ready to come and abide in Him? If you're ready to be baptized into Christ, we'd love to assist you with that. If, if you strayed and you're ready to come back home and, and you want to pray forgiveness, we can help you with that. If all this is stirred questions and you want to sit down and study God's Word, we'd love to do that with you. If we can help you, come.